Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. If you've never been before, you'll notice that we're a bit different in our style or a bit different than maybe a traditional church. But we want you to know that we're still true to the Bible and see it as authority. We take God very seriously, and we have a goal to encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God every week you're here. This week, we're kicking off a brand new series. It's called Dear Centerpoint. And what we're doing is we're looking at these letters that are in the New Testament of the Bible, and they're written to specific churches. Letters or Bible books such as Galatians or Ephesians or Colossians or to a church planner named Timothy and his churches. And what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at these letters that the Apostle Paul tend to wrote a lot of them. Or in other words, Paul, this person who's sent by God on this lifelong mission to share and teach the ways of Jesus. But we're going to look to see what specifically he writes to the first and early churches and how his insight and correction is so valuable that it is included in the Bible today. But if we go back to to when they were first written, they weren't scripture at that time. They were simply letters someone wrote meant to guide these churches and their people to simply be more honorable to God. But what we're going to see as we look at through these different books or these letters, we're going to see that many of these letters, although addressed to someone else in their own situation, it can start to feel as if they're written to center point, this church, or to even get more refined, even us as individuals. Because Paul seems to address some of the internal thoughts and incorrect thinking they had, and I'm guessing we tend to have too. So we get to learn about ourselves from afar through someone else's issues. Anyone prefer that? I do. I love learning vicariously through other people's mistakes. Maybe it's just me, but, but I think realistically you do too. For example, in Wisconsin, who's definitely not the first one to jump into the lake to see how cold the water is? You wait for someone else to do it, right? You want to learn from others' mistakes. Or to take the first bite of that skeptical dinner, you're like, ah, you go first. You know, I'll learn from you. Or whether it's too soon to go on the ice with your truck on Lake Winnebago, right? Or whether or not you should get that haircut at that new salon in town or not. Or whether you should use that contractor that's new or not. It's nice to learn from afar, observe, and then decide, right? After that haircut picture, I think I got you on board with this type of thinking, right? <laughs> well, this Sunday, or this Sunday, we are basically going to dive into someone else's mail and see what we can learn about the early church and Christians, but also things to not do today, personally. And this week's message is studying the letters to the or studying the letter to the Galatians, and it's kind of juicy. It's kind of a juicy letter because Paul kind of reams the people in the churches of Galatia. I don't know why I'm smiling as I, as I say that or think about that, but you get to look at kind of like someone's juicy, kind of direct, kind of full of all the deets. And when you start reading, you want to do one of these like Right? It's like this train wreck that you cannot look away from. You can't help but like want to learn more what's going on. But unfortunately, 
when you start reading and seeing this wreck kind of going on in Galatia, you start to see and think, is this me? Am I also doing that? Do I think this way? Am I this way? So in this letter today, unlike you just gaining some information about a church and God, you actually gain some information about yourself and correction on perspective that maybe is your own thinking today. So let's look specifically at what this letter is saying To give you kind of just this rough outline of the book of Galatians, it's only six chapters, and it was a letter written to the churches of southern Galatia, but here's kind of just a breakdown of it. So chapter one, Paul greets and he explains like his his conversion and who he is, but then says he has strayed from the teachings, or that these people have strayed away from the teachings of Jesus. Chapter two, Paul explains he knows stuff. He's trying to tell them, I know stuff. I know the good news of Jesus, that it's through faith, not works. And he publicly calls someone out they know for not living that out fully. It's Peter, Jesus' disciple, like Peter who walks on water. So we see Paul is not pulling punches, right? Chapter 3, Paul goes into depth that you are made right with God through your faith, not works. Chapter 4, he's encouraging you to live by faith and freedom. Chapter 5, he's, he's helping you see freedom from sin and law allows for more opportunity to love. And then chapter 6 is he sends them off asking to give grace. Now you see this and you might think, all right, Sounds like a lot of Bible talk, Aaron. Like, it's got all the typical Bible words, like faith, works, freedom, sin, grace, law, or the commands, disciple, conversion. But the order of these words and the way in which these words are talked about today, it matters. And actually, I think it's more understandable to you, maybe someone that's like not a Bible vocabulary type of person, I think it's more understandable to you than you think. So we're going to start digging into the actual letter today and see what we can learn specifically. Starting in chapter 1, Galatians 1-2, it says, All the brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. As you know already, Paul is going to be a bit harsh with them, right? And I think here Paul's building his case of saying, this isn't just me delivering this news. I have other people with me, right? Other people that are kind of on the same page. But then Paul gets right to it. He says this, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Yikes, right? And then he curses them. It says this, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. And then he follows up with this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Uh, duh, Paul. We can tell, right? We can see that this is kind of a train wreck of what you're bringing up. But then he starts to soften, and he says, You all know me. Before my Christian faith, you know who I was. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. So Paul, what he's doing is he's trying to relate with them here. He's saying, I've been where you are before. I've seen things incorrectly before. I've made mistakes. I had this zeal or this readiness with excitement to go to bat with what I believe and then later found out that it was misplaced and wrong. I think this is important for us just to pause on and think for a second because 
Many of us, myself included, myself included, we've had this zeal about something incorrect and against God or, or not fully God-honoring, and then later realize, I was a bit off. I was a bit off in that area. Some of us have had zeal and this harsh view that others need to be a particular way. And if they're not, ah, oh, they're fake Christians. They're fake Christians. Have you been there before? Paul shows people can change for good. Well, what happens next is Paul explains how he has been commissioned by Jesus to share this news to them. Like he wants to show them he's a no, or that he's not a nobody, and then he tells them how he had to correct Peter. Like Peter, a disciple, probably Jesus' favorite, right? If he had one. But Peter's this guy Jesus calls the rock. Like you're amazing. Like he sees Peter as amazing. Can you imagine that conversation between Paul and Peter? Intense, right? I imagine it's super intense. But this shows us all Christians need guidance. Pastors and elders need guidance. No one is perfect, and people can very easily be led astray and make mistakes. As you think about that, I think it's important to ask, do you have someone like that who can speak that way to you, like Paul did to Peter, to keep you in line. Well, let's keep going and see what this is all about. He says in 2.11, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. This is the problem he was seeing. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? What was happening is people, these Jewish believers, they kept trying to go back to the law or these Old Testament rules, things in the Bible that were like these moral laws or ceremonial laws that made them different than non-Jews, civil laws. And, and they were using it as this standard to see if one is right with God or not. Specifically, Peter didn't want to eat with uncircumcised Gentile believers because it was part of this Old Testament law. And there were a lot of Gentiles or just simply people who were new to God and had this interest in Jesus. Yet because of Jesus' death and sacrifice, Paul knows it's actually through the acceptance of Jesus and having a heart set on him that is what makes people right. Not circumcision and keeping the law, but people kept wanting others to do things to make themselves appeasable to God, even Peter momentarily. Or in other words, they wanted people to be they wanted people to be people of good works instead of a heart change or a heart on God. So Paul corrects this. He says this, But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law I already told down, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. This is the D. 
This is like the dirty of this letter. This is there, the churches of Galatia, it's their problem. They keep falling back to wanting to have people abide in the Old Testament laws and using that to see if they're acceptable to God or not, which shows they're not embracing complete grace and forgiveness that's freely given through Jesus' life. And Paul is flat out calling them out. This is a mess. Stop. You're doing it wrong. It's not about works or keeping the law. It's about embracing grace and love. Stop leading your people astray is what Paul is saying to them. Now, I want to pause here on our reading as we're about halfway through this letter now. But as you hear this, what camp would you be in? Where do you most likely land in this topic? Do you try so hard to keep the laws and think, that's kind of what makes you good enough for God? Do you believe it's about doing the right things to make yourself more acceptable to God? Do you find yourself wanting others to live a particular legal or rigid life? I know I do at times. Yet Paul is saying, this is not what it's about. It's not about law. It's more about heart. Recently, um, my kids went trick-or-treating. And if you were here for our Candy Palooza last weekend, wasn't it amazing? I just like love the event. There's so many people here. I love seeing so many new faces and people help out with it. It was just awesome. But, but recently, my kids, we, they went trick-or-treating at Candy Palooza, but they also went trick-or-treating in our neighborhood. And so we got lots of candy as a family, lots of candy. And I love candy. Anybody there with me? Amen to that? All right. Um, we went, so we got lots of candy. And recently, you guys voted, actually, last week of what your favorite candy is. Apparently, Sour Patch Kids is the number one. And then after that is Twix, Skittles, Reese's, Peanut Butter Cups, M&M's. Not bad, but really, Sour Patch Kids, number one? That's your favorite? Chocolate's where it's at. Come on now. But anyways, as someone who loves candy, I strategized for these candy days beforehand, and I sat down with my girls ahead of time. I put some candy out on the table to discuss which ones are the best, right? Let me just, uh, I'll just show you a little video because my wife happened to catch me doing this. Um, it's silly, but check it out. So tomorrow you're going to go trick-or-treating. Do you know how many kids are going to hold one? Well, only kids are going to pick them, but oh. Daddy wants some. So Daddy really likes these ones. I like these ones too. I like these. Let's get some of these too. I was being a bit silly, but I like rigidity. I like rules. And I wanted to be like, the Damaster law is you only get these, nothing else, right? I didn't, but I kind of wanted to. But I did say, these are the ones I like. Because honestly, I do prefer like Kit Kats, Milky Ways, Almond Joys, Three Musketeers. Those are my favorite, in case you're wondering. Um, but and honestly, I know that my girls, they actually prefer all of those as well, too, minus the Almond Joys. Apparently, that's like an old person candy that maybe I'm just embracing now. But I know they actually like those ones as well. Those are their favorites. They'll pick those every time if it's, like, if it's in our cupboard. But they just don't get it completely, and they're allured, allured by the, the appearance of other candy. Like my daughter picked this at a full-size candy bar house. What are you doing, kid, right? What's wrong with her? 
My littlest, Claire, on the other hand, she knows what's up. She came home with like five full-size candy bars. It was, it was awesome. But back to my point, I, I didn't put the law on them, even though I wanted to, even though it would be for their best interest for their consuming later on. They have freedom. Because honestly, trick-or-treating, it isn't about getting the best candy, really. It's about the fun, right? And I, I want to be a part of that joy with them of embracing that fun. And that's kind of the same thing Paul wants to start showing these Galatians. Paul, or Jesus, Paul tells them that Jesus has freed them from the law. Sure, the law can guide them in their living, but life isn't just about fulfilling laws, checking off boxes to make sure that your life meets the standards. It's about love and relationship with your creator and his people. It's what God has wanted, prioritized all along since the beginning. But the Galatians, they still really want this law. So Paul says this, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Now back to my candy scenario. Am I going to love my kid more if she picks the stuff I told her or less if she doesn't? Of course not. Of course not. She's my kid who I do and will always desire to have this intimate relationship with. I love her dearly no matter what. God's the same. He loves us so much outside the law. But then you might be asking, why? Why was there even a law then? Well, Galatians talks about this. It says, Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. So is the law wrong or unimportant to us today? No. It says this, Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing Jesus Christ. The law was to point us to God's desires for us. In other words, God did and does kind of want you to pick particular candies for him. He does. He's a chocolate guy. I know it. I'm joking on that last part. That's not in scripture. But he wanted us to pick things he knew we'd love long term. And that would push forward his kingdom and his ways. But we are all failures to not choosing the best thing. We choose selfish sometimes. We choose experimental. We choose temptation and pretzels, right? And it made this wedge between us and our perfect God that couldn't be fixed by us on our own. So it leaves us in a distant, distant location. And then on the other side of things, let's say even if we stick to the law, like we're, we're so like rigid, we stick to the law, the law rigidly, like in our tempting moments, there's a candy jar in front of you. You have all the choices. They're all in front of you. And you know God really wants one thing over another. And you really want this particular thing. And you somehow gruelingly force yourself to pick God's ways. And inside you're kicking yourself for it. You hate that you did it. You're still kind of missing the mark with God and what he actually desires for you. Because your heart wasn't in it. And it made neither party happy. God and us. Which is why Paul is saying having this law... It made us prisoners to it. 
We felt we had to do certain things, even though everything in us hates it. And it showed us so clearly when we chose wrong, and unfortunately became more like a magnifying glass, always illuminating our sin and exposing us to our sin, and making us feel like the slave of never, ever getting it right. Have you felt that before with God? I want to play a little game with you to see if you can identify what this thing is with a magnifying glass. So how about this first one? What do you think it is? Mosquito, right? When you get close up to it, it's nasty. It is, it, you don't want to get close to it, but from afar, it's, oh, it's just a mosquito. How about this one? It's, it's dental plaque. Ugh, right? When you get close up to it, it is nasty. It, like it exposes what really is there. How about this one? You're confused, maybe a little scared. Well, we go back. It's chocolate. It's chocolate. The law did this to us. It magnified the worst parts of us and had us focus on that. It brought out the flaws and made us so focused on then making right and not wrong choices, but never actions from the heart. God's intention for the law was to be like a good school teacher, right? Anybody know what movie this is from? This is Honey, yeah, Matilda, a positive person who's guiding us to stay on the right track towards God's desire for living. But instead, we actually got more of like this person, right? <laughs> kind of like a mean teacher is kind of how the law came across. Again, Matilda, um, it's my wife's like favorite movie. But some of you know that my background uh, before going to seminary and being a pastor was I was a middle school and elementary teacher. Without trying to get like political here, as a teacher, there was a lot of debate about about testing in particular. State and federal testing, it determined your perceived success and funding as a school. So the question amongst teachers was always, do you teach to the test? Like just give a few specific skills so that your kids will score well on the test, but maybe not get the full comprehension? Or do you teach for full comprehension, but then they could get stumped by the test question and the wording? And it's still debated today. And you can maybe recall as you think back to like how you grew up and what your school maybe did. But for example, I remember for me personally in high school, I had a teacher whose study guide for the test was the test. I just memorized the true-false order. True, 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 false, 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 true, false, true, false. I used an acronym or a story of ABCDs, like just memorize it like Aaron B is big. You know, I'd, I'd make a story. <laughs> and man, I was really good at memorizing. I was do I remember any of the actual content? No, not a chance, right? But this is kind of the difference or what the difference is between living with the law and freedom from sin and the law by simply affirming that you need the given grace from God. God doesn't want you to memorize the law or just compute the right answer or right action. He wants your heart to produce the God-honoring way of living. And the law unfortunately didn't help with that. So Paul is saying to the Galatians, stop focusing on that. He says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ, you have fallen away from God's grace. Paul 
again to the Galatians is saying, stop living this double life. It's one or the other. And y'all know, you all here know the law doesn't really work for us. So stop believing you only need Jesus' forgiveness for just that one little sin that's going on in your life that maybe you're only currently aware of right now. And then you'll, you'll keep the law for the rest of it. Trust me, you have way more than just that one or those few things that you know of. The answer and the solution that Paul's trying to show these Galatians and the answer and the solution for us is accepting Jesus, his grace. As in accepting that you need someone to take your place for your inability to do what your creator intended for you to do here. The only person that could actually do it was Jesus because he's God himself. He lives perfectly and in accordance to the law as we should, yet still takes our place for the consequences of not following the law. And because he's God, he's able to overturn the curse and the punishment of sin, which is death for us. To map it out for you, Christians, we live imperfectly. We don't take the final consequences of imperfect living. Death happens to us, though, because we live in a fallen world, and we can embrace the blessing of resurrection and eternal life with God afterwards. For Jesus, he lives perfectly when he's here. He takes the final consequence of imperfect living. Death comes, and he resurrects, and then now he can pass on that blessing of resurrection and eternal life. Jesus' actions, because he lives perfectly, yet dies in an imperfect death, he can flip this curse of sin, or flip the script of what happens to people who sin. And scripture tells us he wants to give the forgiveness blessing to you, if you accept, that he, if you accept the fact that he did it for you. You can then be made right. You then receive that blessing. You have freedom in living because Jesus wants to give you that blessing, the blessing of forgiveness and eternal life. Whether you've messed up a gazillion times or maybe in just your mind a million times. As you sit here today, have you embraced that before? Because when you do, it should change how you live. Paul says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Embracing this freedom, it changes your eternity it changes your life here and now. And the rest of this letter that, that Paul writes to them is how you can actually start seeing that change and what it looks like to embrace that change. But before we actually look at the rest of this letter, in order for these next couple chapters to make any sense to you, you need to decide where you land in living with the law or living in acceptance of grace. We all need to decide. We all need to take the advice of Paul or not? Will we allow God's Spirit to come to us, making us a Christian, and then directing our lives? I want to assume a lot of you are fed up with the law, because I am. I'm not good at keeping it. I've broken it. I can't keep it. I've been a slave to it, too, at times, and I still get caught up in that type of thinking that if I just do these, these few things, to, I'll make myself good enough to God. God will love me more. I'll be acceptable to Him. But then I realized later on, I'm, I'm just a slave again to it. That's not what God wants. I want freedom, don't you? 
I want freedom in what God offers and intended for us. I even feel it's the answer and the satisfaction that all humanity needs. Like, doesn't the core of you yearn for freedom and forgiveness? If that's you, it starts with embracing Jesus' sacrifice. It's saying by faith or maybe an intellectual decision of belief in your mind that you affirm that Jesus died for you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When you believe that and affirm that you need this, you're a Christian. If that's something you want today, it's simply saying in your head and your heart that, God, I can't keep the law. I can't keep the law. I can't do it on my own. I know you took my punishment and consequences. I need your grace. Help me live. And you're a Christian. You're a Christian when you say that. I hope some of you choose to maybe say that to God now for the first time if you never have. And we're, we're super excited if that's something you, you are pursuing and deciding to do today. But then after you do that, you're good. You're good. And now you can just do whatever you want. You can party it up. Pursue that lustful passion, go against the law, steal, and all that. doesn't even matter, right? Wrong. (laughs) If you have a desire to do that after making a statement of needing Jesus, you've missed it then. You've missed the understanding. In order to actually ask for freedom and saving, you need to realize you actually need saving, right? Saving from your wrongs or inevitable death and the things that you're tempted towards. But if you've stated that thing and meant it, you should now have this passion and heart to pursue God's desires. Galatians 3, 13 to 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on the pole. He redeemed us so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And the Spirit is what we talked about last week in our, our Holy Ghost Stories message. But it's a spirit that is now this prompting of God within you to push you towards his ways. It's this thing that freely encourages you to be more holy and as God intended us to be. To get us closer to our perfection state with God in eternity one day. In which, this is how Paul wraps up his letter to the Galatians. He explains how to experience a Christian life that is of the spirit, not the law. Today, do some of you want that or more of that? Do you want a life of freedom, of not being down on yourself for your wrongs against the law, but but also not living this heartless life where you pick the right actions or that fulfills the law or gets the right score, but has no real meaning or comprehension or heart change inside? I know I do. Well, the two things that Paul directs the Galatians on to live in this freedom and not the law that I think... He also wants to direct us on is be led by the Spirit, not your flesh. Since we've talked about trick-or-treating, I thought we'd stay on that same theme today. Uh, You heard I love candy personally. My flesh still really wants to collect free candy on trick-or-treating days. But it would just be kind of weird if I did it, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of strange if I went to get candy and it looked kind of like this. Check it out. Bye. Who do we got here? Trick-or-treat. Aren't you two a little old to be trick-or-treating? No, we're nine. Yeah, I'm nine and a half, bro. (laughs) You're not nine. You're like seven foot tall. No, I'm not. I'm four foot 31 inches. And it's a medical condition. Yeah, bro, he's got serious back pain. You should be more sensitive. Uh, okay, well, what about your facial hair there, Kid Rock? 
Uh, this is a part of my costume. I'm a bearded cow. That's not a thing. Yeah, it is. Look it up. Okay, prove it. Take your beard off. What? Did you just ask us to take our clothes off? <laughs> That's what I heard. No, that is not what I this said. This grown man asked us nine-year-olds to take all our clothes oh, oh, off. Oh, no, no, no. You just take the candy. Just take the candy. Take That's what I thought. Boomer. <laughs> Kids these days. Our flesh desires things that are incorrect at times, whether it's trick-or-treating when you probably shouldn't be. But our flesh, it desires things that are unacceptable, is what I'm trying to point out. Like trick-or-treating as an adult, and we feel, it, we feel it and we know it's wrong inside, right? It's the same with other more serious things as well. Paul actually, he kind of gives a list of some of these things, and he kind of warns us when, uh, about some of these things we should avoid. That's not from the Spirit, but it's from our flesh that's trying to take over. And as I read this list to you in a second, I cringe. I cringe. Again, the law or God's scripture regarding the right living, although it's, it's, it's not something we must do to be made right, it is the path that God is lighting up for us. Scripture is God's lit up path of how he wants us to live. The law and God's scripture, it points us to what the spirit will encourage you towards and what he will encourage you away from. We are free from it, but your flesh will also encourage you towards things that are the opposite of it. So God wants to give you guidance, which is what the whole purpose of the law originally was. It says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ye, that list sounds intense, yet it's real. It's honest, and it's ones, those are things worth knowing. Again, this is a list that is given right after saying, you are free to live in the Spirit. But these are things that will come out of your sinful nature and try to control you. So watch out. So I want to examine it a little bit more and see, do any of these things seem to be calling to you lately? Are they brought to your attention lately? Again, sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Are you feeling called to one of those things lately? Free yourself from them because they lead to destruction, Galatians says. When I reflect on my life, I looked at that list. I think I've done 14 of the 16. I've scored a B plus in letting my sinful nature rule in my life, and that's not good. I'm not proud of that. I'm not trying to like brag or anything of that sort. But in the moment when I was going through or doing one of those things, it seemed kind of okay to me. Even as a Christian, I, I thought, like, you know, I'm free, I'm forgiven, and God, it's fine. But my inner being, while doing that, wasn't pursuing God. It was me pursuing my flesh. And as the verse says, the results are clear. Because I want to say all 14 of them that I did ended in something I'm not proud of. So are you aware of what else you could be leading you besides the Spirit of God? When you are, address it. Stop it. Tell a friend this to help you stop. Tell a pastor. Have a plan to get through it. Replace it. Find accountability. Whatever it is you need to do. 
and then get back on track of letting the Spirit lead, which leads to the second thing we can do. Look for the fruit of the Spirit. Paul then gives us another list in Galatians, and it's this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I want those things. Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When you live in the freedom away from the law and know you're made right in God's eyes just by accepting Jesus' grace, you have God's spirit within you that wants to bring these things out of you. You feel it and you just have this desire for it more. Yet you still have to cultivate it. Verse 25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It's saying, let us, God. Other translations use guide us or show us or grant us to have these fruits to your Spirit. Your freedom and salvation is a gift from God. But if you want these fruits, if you want these fruits, you need to be in step or aligned with God. These fruits are your way of assessing of Am I actually doing that or not? If you are allowing God to move more in your life or not. It's not about work or effort and getting an A in all these things. But if you've embraced a life in your freedom through the Spirit, you should be modeling and seeing more of these in your life. Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These were things the law ultimately tried to get us to. But the laws, again, unfortunately, negatively magnified our miss. Today, You can use the law to help you determine if the Spirit is pushing you correctly towards one of these. As the Spirit, it's always intertwined with Scripture. If I go back to uh, me talking about trick-or-treating with my daughters, at the end of doing it all, we dumped all the candy out in one big pile, and we looked at what we got at the end. I wish I could say she picked out only the candies I wanted and and what I thought or knew would be best for her palate even, But she didn't. She didn't. I didn't put the law down, and I don't love her any more or less because of her results. But I have seen in her, instead of her following a particular law I gave her, she does have this desire to give me what I want. Such as, she did give me some of her candy. Yay, right? Which is a step in seeing some kindness grow in her. Uh, We also, this is another thing that happened recently. Lately, we've had a lot of carbonated water out on our uh, counter lately. Just out of curiosity, who loves carbonated water? Only a few. Okay. Um, I drink a lot of carbonated water or seltzer. I also drink beer. But to clarify, not a lot of beer. Um, But when I get home from work, my daughter, what she'll do is she'll, she'll grab a water every now and then and say, here's a beer for you, Daddy, and put it on my lap. Both are very appreciated. But again, to clarify, I do not drink beer every night, nor at 4 or 5 p.m. when I get home right away. But this is just kind of her way of showing her love to me. Not fulfilling a law, not an obligation, but a very clear way for her to show her love and kindness to me, that she's growing into that. And I love it. I love seeing it grow in her. And that is exactly God's desire for you. Not to get him a beer, or again, even a seltzer water, But for you to not live out the law or what he says to do, to just check off a box, but to live a life that's letting the Spirit lead and where the fruit just comes out of you, having it be more evident in your life. So as I wrap up today, 
I want to get extremely practical and have you think and self-assess right now. Where are you at in these fruits of the Spirit? Not to do more good works of them, but so that you can know where you need to start listening to God more to allow the Spirit to lead and prompt you to doing some of these more. So we're going to look at that list, and what I want you to do is use your bulletin, maybe just your mind, maybe your phone, but write down either one to ten as where you think you land in these fruits of the Spirit. One being, I don't see it at all. Ten being, I think it's great. I think God is definitely moving in me through these things. So let's just kind of look at these briefly. So love. Love for others, love for things. Like, are you just seeing that come out of you? Joy. Do you tend to have this gladness, this, this, this happiness, this, this joy that comes from you, and then you just tend to carry more of it? Peace. Are you at peace, not worrying? Where do you land? One to ten. How about this one? Patience. Are you a more patient person or not? Is that kind of the one you, you're not seeing God move in through your life? Kindness. Do you tend to be more kind? Are you, is kindness something that naturally comes out of you? Goodness, are you pursuing the good, the good in the world? Faithfulness, are you true to particular things you've set your mind to? And then self-control, are you disciplined? Again, the goal isn't for you to work harder at these, but to listen to the times the Spirit maybe is pushing you towards these and responding to it. But now that you know it, maybe have one or two that you know you need to listen for more, I'm going to pray that we remain free from the law and full of grace for others as Paul instructs in Galatians. Would you pray with me as I close us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us uh, freedom from the law. God, we just pray that we can embrace that and have more of that and know that it's not about following the law. It's about pursuing you and accepting your grace and forgiveness. So God, I just pray that you have us do that. And God, we just pray that we have the Spirit continue to move in our lives in positive ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.